You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. conversation with a client a couple of weeks ago put me in mind of a job that I did about 26 years ago this summer. The client in question had just come back from a week's holidays in the Cap Verde Islands, now a holiday destination. One of the first jobs that I took on behalf of the World Bank after I started working for myself, I reckon it was the summer of 1997, was a job that I did on the self-same Cap Verde Islands. But nobody had ever heard of them at the time. They were a group of sandy, desolate, dry rocks off the west coast of Africa. And to get there, I had to fly from Dublin to Paris to Dakar, overnight in Dakar, and then take a little propeller plane a couple of hundred miles out into the Atlantic Ocean. And land in an airport where the arrivals lounge was kind of a couple of low garden walls. It's the only way I can describe it at the time. This was a place where, when I went to meet the Minister for Finance in the centre of the capital, Praia, I walked down a street accompanied by a couple of chickens and hens. It was a place that was almost forgotten by time. There was only one hotel on all of the islands, a beautiful hotel, and I only discovered... And I went to check out after spending a fortnight there, after eating and drinking beautiful food and drink over the course of that fortnight, that not only did the hotel not accept credit cards, not a single place on the island accepted credit cards. I had to wait for American Express to wire transfer money from Lisbon to Praia to the hotel before I could leave. Luckily, I didn't miss my flight. Anyway, what's all that got to do with anything? It has something very important to do with the subject of this week's uh, podcast episode. The two weeks I spent on the Cap Verde Islands, I was working through the World Bank for the government of the Cap Verde Islands. They owned a bank called the Caja Economica de Cabo Verde, And they wanted to privatise it. And obviously, I'd been involved in the privatisation of ACC Bank. It was well known around Europe for the work that I had done. And I was asked to help the Minister for Finance put in place a strategy for the bank, obviously with the aid of the bank's leadership, to enable the government to privatise that bank too. So I spent a fortnight with these guys and girls. And... On the Thursday evening before the end of the second week, I was asked by the president of the bank, would I spend the morning with her team to explain to them the process I had gone through in preparing the strategic plan that they had now agreed with the government for the bank. She said, I've set the whole morning aside. We can take the day if necessary, because obviously we need to move forward now and you won't be here with us. So I said, fine. We all sat down at 9 a.m. the following morning in the boardroom. When I 
arrived, they asked me where my PowerPoint presentation was. Now, any of you who know me will know that I have an aversion to death by PowerPoint. If you want to kill the interaction, creativity and ingenuity in a leadership team, turn on your PowerPoint presentation. So I said I didn't have one. We all sat down, had a cup of coffee together, and I stood up and I said, in order to enable this team get the bank to where they now know they want it to be, all they have to do from now on is remember what it'll feel like when they get there. You write down how that feels and together you will all move forward in step in the right direction to bring that reality about. I thanked them for their time and sat down. The presentation had taken about probably 60 seconds. They looked at each other. They looked at the president of the bank and she said, we all know exactly what you're talking about, having been with you for the last fortnight. So it was about 10 past nine. By the time we'd finished our coffee, she said, let's drive up into the mountains and have lunch. She said, there are no restaurants on the islands at all, apart from the restaurant in your hotel. But there's a lovely place up the mountains where we can go for lunch. So we got in a couple of jeeps, drove up the mountains, drove into this farmyard, chickens flying in all directions. And as we got out of the jeep, she said to me, uh, pick your lunch. I said, what do you mean pick your lunch? Which chicken do you want for lunch? And that is how we had lunch on the final day of my fortnight in the Cap Verde Islands. They understood completely how when we are properly tuned in and motivated, when we have our intentions straight in our own head, when we have tickled our own fancy, so to speak, when we have turned ourselves on and excited ourselves enough as to what the outcome that we want will feel like, once we have that locked in in our heads, I'll come back to how we do that in a minute, we can just, so to speak, let go. We can let ourselves rip. We can get our thinking minds out of the way so that our doing minds from one moment to the next, from each now to the next now, will know where they are, will know what to do, will know how to do it effortlessly to get to where we want to go. I'm going to repeat myself because this constantly bears repeating because people don't get it. Whether you've set your mind to an outcome or an intention or a purpose, whatever word turns you on, whether or not you've done that, your mind is already set to certain purposes. Now, we know from our previous conversations that when we're using our minds normally, our minds are set to enable us muddle through whatever today throws at us so we survive the day. We muddle through using stuff that we learned when we were young and impressionable because that enables us make it through the day. Okay, we might crawl, we might struggle, we might gnaw our way from one day to the next, but at least we are ensured that because of the way our minds were set by evolution, we're not going to die today. Or at least, as far as we know, when we wake up in the morning, we're pretty certain today won't be the day. Our doing minds will simply enable us to do whatever it takes to achieve the objectives that we have set in our mind. If we're using our minds normally, as I said a moment ago, those objectives are survival. So we'll, as I said a moment ago, again, muddle through the day. 
because that is how the mind actually operates. If I've given myself different outcomes to look forward to, so to speak, and I'll, I'll correct myself on that in a moment. If I've given myself pictures of what my desired future looks like, or more importantly, a word picture of what my future, my desired future feels like, then those are the things, those pictures, those what are known in cognitive psychology as psychological snapshots, those psychological snapshots will guide my doing mind to enable me do what I need to do to get to where I want to go. In evolutionary times, given what I said a moment ago about how evolution programmed us for survival, in evolutionary times, if I was confronted by a life-threatening situation, my doing mind, without my having time to think about it, would spring into action and enable me do what I needed to do to ensure that I met my objective. Mind works that way anyway. It's only our thinking mind that gets in the way. Now, we know from previous conversations that the thinking mind is adept at getting in the way and tripping us up. But in order to move forward in our lives, all we have to do is put our thinking mind in neutral. It's as simple as that. We don't have to go and remake ourselves. We don't have to go and try to figure out why we have the inhibitions or self-limiting beliefs that we thought we had. We don't have to do any of that at all. All we have to do is put our thinking mind in neutral and allow our doing mind do what it does best. It will lead us to where we want to go if we've given it something to look forward to. Now, I said I was going to correct myself a moment ago, but we need to explore that phrase, looking forward to, a little bit more. I had a conversation a number of years ago with a group of people in a room in Dublin, one of my workshops, where I was talking about how the doing mind will always ensure that I achieve something that I have given myself a picture for, that is big enough and bold enough to enable me move towards it in the sure and certain knowledge that I'll get there because I feel it in my bones. I've actually set it in my subcortical hippocampus. So if we have something big enough and grand enough to look forward to, we're going to get there. One of the girls in the room on that particular day explained that when she was 16 years old and when her father had been diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and given six months to live, he explained to her, that she shouldn't be upset because he was going to make her a promise that he intended to keep. And that was that he would walk her up the aisle on her wedding day. Remember, she was only 16 at the time. Many years later, he walked her up the aisle on her wedding day as promised, went to the wedding reception, sat at the top table, the proud father of the bride, made the father of the bride speech, sat down at the top table, closed his eyes and passed away. He had got to where he was looking forward to. Now, the phrase looking forward to can give normal people using their minds normally an entirely wrong impression of what I'm talking about. And that's why we need to clarify it. You know, it's Wednesday morning. People will be looking forward to the weekend. That isn't what I'm talking about. It is almost the end of April. People will be looking forward to their summer holidays. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the sure and certain knowledge that you're going to get to something grand. And more importantly, that your 
doing mind already has a sense or a feel for how that experience will actually feel. It's a physical thing. It is an embodied thing. That is how we set our subconscious mind, our subcortical brain, to these grand, what I call perfect moments, whereby if we let it by putting our thinking mind in neutral, our doing mind will simply enable us to get there effortlessly. You see, I was asked to stand up in front of that leadership team in the Cap Verde Islands all those years ago to, as they thought, talk about strategic planning and talk about tactics and talk about maybe a three-year plan or a five-year plan. All nonsense. All the stuff that makes people in business feel safe or feel comfortable. But they know in their heart and soul that they haven't got to where they are as a result of implementing any plan that was ever implemented in the way in which it had been envisaged when it was written in the first place. Because the minute the ink is dry on a strategic plan, the circumstances have changed because you're in a new now. Now, that's how the whole thing doesn't work from a business point of view. That's how the whole thing doesn't work from a personal point of view as well. People have plans. <laughs> One of the classic examples of people's plans and how they don't work is the eight or 12 week plan to lose weight, and get fit or be able to fit into the wedding dress or whatever it happens to be. And then, you know, the plan will fall apart the plan will always fall apart, and I'll explain why in a moment. Nothing will ever go according to plan, and I'll explain why that happens in a moment. And even if it does, even if they are highly disciplined people, even if they are really unusual people and really pushing their normal way of thinking to the limits of normality, perhaps just over the border into abnormality or extraordinary behaviour, when they get there, they're going to end up going backwards again because they've achieved what they were looking forward to and having achieved what they were looking forward to, fitting into the wedding dress, they've nothing else to look forward to. The plan fails because circumstances change from moment to moment. The plan fails because when we're confronted as normal thinking people with anything that we hadn't anticipated, it will knock us sideways. We will end up struggling. We will end up flailing around for a means of getting back on the so-called horse. But the most fundamental reason why a plan will never work is that it is based on the false notion that I have to travel a certain road to get to my destination. Let me look at it from the perspective of a conversation I had with somebody who owns a small business. I had this conversation a couple of months ago. A guy who owns a small business who wants to set his mind to own a big business. Simple as that. He said, the way things are at the moment, he said, I'm short of cash, so I can't invest in marketing. I have to put together some kind of plan so that gradually, little by little, I can move forward in an organic way, in the way in which most businesses move forward. But the thing he really wanted to do was to accelerate the way in which he organically moved forward. He said, so if I, for example, I'm at A at the moment, and my plan is to get to H, 
and I know I have to go through B, C, D, E, F, and G to get there. I want to be able to step through those milestones, B, C, D, E, F, and G, much quicker than I have been doing in the way in which my business has been trundling along. I said to him, that's not how you will get to H. I said, there is a possibility, of course, that that is the way in which you will move towards H, but it'll be a struggle. It will be a hassle and you will be disappointed along the way as a result of the lack of speed with which you move forward. You'll probably lose heart. And even if you wander off into, say, a side road, you'll always struggle to get back on the path that you think you have to take. You don't have to take that path at all. If I was confronted by a man-eating tiger in the jungle and used the kind of thinking I have just suggested that my business client was using, when faced with the tiger, the only way I would know out of there was the way I came in. So I'd turn around and run in the opposite direction. I'd run back out the way in which I'd come in. And the tiger would probably have me before I'd taken a couple of simple steps for the simple reason that my thinking mind would have said, you need to redouble the steps you've already taken to get the hell out of here. My doing mind, without any intervention from my thinking mind at all, would come up with a novel, effort-free way of escaping from the tiger. And it wouldn't be something that my thinking mind could have figured out because my thinking mind would only be using what it had already learned, or at least, should I say, thought it learned as a result of its previous experiences. We'll come back to that in a moment too. What I made to my friend was, if you set your mind to get to H, or more to the point, if you set your mind so that it has a feel or a sense for what the experience of being at H will feel like, and then you push your thinking mind in neutral, then your doing mind will enable you tiptoe effortlessly from A to H. And in all probability, it will go from A to Y to M to H. It will go in ways that your thinking mind couldn't anticipate because your thinking mind knows pretty much nothing at all. I was going to use a common phrase for what your thinking mind doesn't know, but my publisher might say, oh, you can't use that kind of language. Anyway, your doing mind, of course, might spot an opportunity straight away in the same way as your doing mind would spot a gap in the bushes that you could slip through effortlessly without the tiger perhaps even ever seeing you. Your doing mind could spot an opportunity whereby you simply hop from A to H. I've seen it happen. Plenty of my clients have seen it happen. And the interesting thing is that when something like that happens, they say to me, oh, it felt as if it just happened or it felt as if it fell into my lap. But of course, the fact of the matter is that they did what they needed to do. And the only way in which they could do what they needed to do was by putting their thinking mind in neutral. Now, I said a moment ago that your thinking mind might try to figure a way forward or figure a way away from the 
man or woman eating tiger based on what it had learned or based on the knowledge it already had. But the fact of the matter is that we as human beings learn nothing new after the age of 13. All the experiences you have had as an adult whilst using your mind normally were filtered through the stuff you thought you knew about yourself that you learned long before you reached the age of 13. So you learned nothing new. What you did was reconfirm to yourself the learning that you had taken on board when you were young and impressionable. And therefore, the so-called experience that you have of your adult life, having used your mind normally all of your adult life up to the time that you started out on the particular journey that we take in this podcast, all of that is useless because you haven't learned anything at all. All you've done, as I said a moment ago, is reconfirmed your own limitations, your own constraints, your own self-limiting beliefs. What we need to do, as the title of this podcast strongly suggests, is to just let go or let it rip, as I said a couple of minutes ago. All you have to do is believe that you have achieved the outcome that you would dearly love to achieve by setting your mind, by handwriting, how it feels to be there. Not when it happens, not how you got there, not the specifics of the actual outcome itself, but the feeling of the outcome, because that is what turns the subcortical brain's hippocampus on. The hippocampus is right at the center of our doing brain. Now, of course, the hippocampus will be clouded by normal everyday thought until you put your thinking mind in neutral. And that is where meditation comes in. Well, actually, meditation comes in much earlier on. Meditation is the fundamental step that we all need to take to ensure that we're in the right state of mind, to even understand the kind of outcomes that we would dearly like to have in our lives. Because normally, without having meditated, without having put your thinking mind in neutral, you will set your mind to outcomes that you think correspond to what will make you happy and successful. And to do that, you will look at what you think happiness and success looks like by observing other people who went through the same flawed process, who may, to the casual observer, look happy and successful, but we never know what's going on behind anybody's closed front door, do we? You need to allow the real you within, the one beyond stuff that was learned during your formative years, the one beyond your self-limiting beliefs and constraints, you need to let the real you within inform you as to how it will feel when you achieve the joy of knowing that you have arrived. It's the best way I can put it. In fact, that is a pretty good way of putting it. You need, when you get a sense for that, as I said a few minutes ago, you need to handwrite it. Handwrite it as if you're already there. Now, people say to me, well, hold on now. Now that I've handwritten it, do I need to read it every day to remind myself? You know, your, your doing mind isn't stupid. Once your doing mind has got the picture, that's it. And in handwriting, your feelings of being there as if you are already there, the subconscious mind, the hippocampus, does take a new 
psychological snapshot. So it does have the picture. It has the outcome in mind. It knows your purpose. All you have to do is get out of your own way by putting your thinking mind in neutral every day to ensure that every day you are present enough every day to do the right things in the right way that will effortlessly get you from the A to H that we talked about earlier on. Now, of course, the H that my friend was thinking about was a thought through H along the lines of what I said a minute ago. He thought that swear would be great for him, for his business. Maybe his ideal outcome might have been J or X, or it might have been off the scale completely. Now, there's an interesting one, because most people discover that when they do get out of their own way, their lives evolve effortlessly in a way that they could never have even begun to imagine, so that their experiences of the joy of living life to the full are actually off the scale. The key message today, as always, is that we need to meditate. That's the only way you can put your thinking mind in neutral. And it is kind of a metaphor that I have used today in putting your thinking mind in neutral. Meditation is far more effective than that because what studies have shown is that over time your thinking mind will not just be put in neutral, it won't even become a passenger on the back seat, it won't even be stored in the boot, it'll simply go away. So the motoring analogy, like any analogy, only goes so far. In any event, once again, the key message is you need to meditate every morning for eight or so minutes every morning. I've recently recommended to some people who were having difficulty switching off in the evening so that they could enjoy themselves with their loved ones, that they meditate at the end of the working day as well. I'd recommend that to you too. Do you need the kind of discipline that a 12-week diet requires, the diet that we talked about earlier on, to meditate every day. Don't say to yourself, as you start out on this journey, am I going to be able to keep going? We need to take on this journey of life one step at a time, one now at a time. Our lives are lived one now at a time. All we can do is do what we need to do now. All we can do today is what we need to do today. And we don't need to get ahead of ourselves and begin to wonder whether I'll be able to do it again tomorrow or not. Tomorrow will be another day. For now, the key thing that you need to do is do the little it takes, because eight minutes out of 24 hours isn't an awful lot, to do the little that it takes to ensure that you're clear in your mind before your day gets going so that you are clearer in relation to what is actually going on around you during the course of the day, so you're better placed to know how you need to behave yourself at each turn, at each moment, during the course of, for starters, today. And we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.